Welcome to the Star Citizen Neuralcast, brought to you by Cognition Corp and its community organizations. This is a weekly and sometimes bi-weekly podcast dedicated to bringing the most neutral Star Citizen information and general discussion concerning game mechanics and lore. I'm Lumen the Hunter, and joining me today from Hitcher 4 are Delta. Hello. And Aiden. Hey. Mazzy Man from Photon Torpedo. Hey. Toys Army from Rebel. Hey, Lumen. And Witch Doctor from Kuleen Nation. Good evening. A big thanks to our Patreon backers for funding our current giveaways and supporting the show. Patreon backers get to participate in exclusive LTI ship raffles, enter the referral code into advertised promotions, and for only 50 cents an episode, they have access to our pre-show podcast where we go over the news in greater detail. Our winner for the Patreon-exclusive LTI Pirate Pack for Alpha 2.6.2 is Jay Solace. Congrats. For information on how to support the show, visit us at patreon.com slash cognition. So we've had a lot of updates over the last two weeks. Basically, we're just going to go over them in order, but there was a lot to do with the engine backend as well as the interface on the website and Spectrum. For development, we learned that atmospheric flight is technically not going to be a separate flight model. What they're doing is using the same flight model with a different set of attributes affecting it. Wind and air density will be the two most prominent atmospheric effects, but additionally, your ship's individual aerodynamics will affect how those atmospheric flight uh, effects change your flight itself. That's fair. Well, because it wouldn't make much sense to develop a flight model which would work for, you know, a certain type of atmosphere and then wouldn't work with another type of atmosphere. Yeah, because exactly. I know I've critiqued, you know, having different, and I've done it on this podcast, you know, that there isn't a separate flight model for an atmospheric flight. However, I also recognize that that's a lot more work than is needed. Yeah, and this allows them to add sort of a uh, continuum of effects so that they don't have to develop a different flight model for each different planet, and so that as you're entering an atmosphere, you can gradually feel those effects um, occur on your on your ship. And uh, one thing to note is that the aerodynamics of your ship, they did say that some of them are sort of impossibly not aerodynamic to be flying around very well in an atmosphere, but they won't make some of these ships not flyable. They'll just make them much harder to handle because of it, Um, because it's still a game and we still want to have fun. Doesn't this also eliminate the fact that you need to load a new set of flight mechanics when you enter atmosphere? Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, definitely. They need to have it be fluid and realistic and not sort of like a you're piloting with, you know, six degrees of freedom and all of a sudden your ship gets rocked because your controls are, are going crazy because now they're being affected by atmosphere. And, and then also you'd probably want to switch yaw and roll most likely for atmosphere and have them switch back again when you go back to uh, space flight. Clothing is something they've been working on. They have between 40 and 50 clothing manufacturers in the game's lore right now so that they can have distinct styles originating from different planets and cultures. As far as clothing for aliens goes, they said that the proportions for height and body are going to make it so aliens won't necessarily be able to wear human gear or vice versa. The new Entity Owner Manager is a system that will link the backend database to handle ownership and lifetime of entities in the PU, so objects, items, locations, and how they persist over time. And that will indirectly link to systems for debris, salvage, criminality, streaming, missions, cargo, shopping, and more than even more than that. Uh, essentially labeling certain things to persist over time if they're valuable or meaningful, whereas things that aren't important, like shell casings or garbage of some sort, to basically despawn when no one's viewing them. One man's garbage is another man's credits. <laughs> 
The female avatar animations have been transferred from the male model to the female by several thousand, they said, though they said there's still a lot of work before we're going to see it. Now, I do know that they plan on reshooting motion capture for a lot of these animations with a female mocap actor, but in the meantime, we'll at least have a functional female avatar sooner than they would otherwise have it. So that's good. And once they get the female mocap, it'll be even better because, you know, guys and girls, they walk differently. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. And it's good they're getting in early. I think they listened to the community. A lot of people were pretty vocal about it. Uh, they may have been a minority, but it means a lot to them. So it shows, once again, that CIG is listening and cares. Yeah, it's it's good that they really, they've really jumped on this. It's all work that has to be done, but it's, you know, in a lot of cases, they've prioritized maybe not what the community would, what would make them happy, like, in the near or mid future and they've really kind of changed their stance on this since last summer you know there's a lot of support for getting the female character model up and running and pilots in the ships and the pu and star marine and i mean it has to be done either way but they've really listened to the how many people truly want that in the game like now and then so many people that support that viewpoint that uh, it, that's been really great to see from them like really great in the last what nine months ten months yeah definitely you think it's possible that suddenly there's a severe story need for it in Squadron 42 that they're like, eh, they're already asking about this, so why don't we just get to work on it? I mean, could be, but I mean, you know, it's all work that has to be done anyway, but we know it, mm -hmm. it's been shot to a, near the forefront and in, in a lot of the character and art animation, all the forefront of a lot of that, just out of the community, you know, asking for it. And I, I just, I love seeing that, you know, the happier the community is, even if it might stretch development time a little bit elsewhere, it, it keeps bringing people in, bringing people back, the money flowing, you know, people are happy. And I just, I love seeing them when they have those reactions to, to stuff. I just love it. Yeah, definitely good news. Uh, the Galactopedia will be the next big project that Turbulent takes on after uh, Spectrum is more functional. Essentially, they want to integrate it with the star map, and then long-term, they want both to be integrated into in-game events within Star Citizen itself. Great. Love it. That's great. Yeah, that's something they spoke a lot about three years ago and, you know, kind of trailed off. So yeah. having them work on that again is, that's really, really nice. Like, Yeah, and at this point, there is so much information in the lore that just gets lost because it's just in pockets of areas here or there. It would be really nice to have a centralized location. And I know the star map has a lot of it, but it's not sorted by category. It's sorted by location. Right. I mean, even they can't keep up with you know, the <laughs> things that have been written. I, I Truly, I mean, none of us can, no matter how long you're around. It's, it's impossible sure. to keep up. So. The multifunction display or MFD design work has been wrapped up. Uh, essentially, that is how information will display in your ship's systems for things like power, heat, cooling, shields, weapons, countermeasures, and missiles. Um, and they expect it to be ready when Item System 2.0 launches with Alpha 3.0. There have been a handful of performance improvements recently, um, including things for improving streaming of meshes and reducing build size, improving Python integration for the devs, and improving helmets as well as skin textures not even to mention the lighting improvements they've actually recently done as well so a lot of performance increases not something they will necessarily notice but it's going to take a lot less uh, issues with our processor and in the back end streamlines things for them hooray for python integration <laughs> absolutely every tool is 
written for a game or software at this point that's not in the game, but it does serve a function and it is bashed out in Python. It's so having that is just huge, absolutely huge. For what them. is it about Python that makes it it's so easy? Yeah, it's, it's, it's easy and it's fast and uh, pretty fairly universal. I mean, pretty much everywhere the world over, if you're doing software development and you have to write just a small tool to do something, you probably just wrote it in Python. Scanning subcomponents have been worked on, uh, which have been basically handle the scanning functions of your ships and instruments. Two items they talked about were the ping, which is the signal sent out when you're actively scanning um, an area and will extend to a certain range. And then your angle of focus is basically a balance between range of that ping and how well defined that focus is at picking out information. So when you increase one, it decreases the other. The ship stats page will eventually be updated to fix any discrepancies. Uh, essentially, Turbulent and CIG have both known that the ship stats page was woefully out of date, but because item 2.0 wasn't in and a lot of the ship stats were still in wild flux, they didn't want to keep having to come back and updating with information that might readily change. So uh, they were waiting for the uh, gameplay and item system to really become a little bit more finalized before tackling it. So we should see it before the end of the year be relevant and hopefully stay relevant from that point forward. Uh, we got a lot of Spectrum updates from the Turbulent Town Hall this last week. A lot of really cool things. First of all, they mentioned that they want to give us the API so people can automate some org features, but they do have to balance it because they don't want people to have an unnecessary advantage just because they know coding within the actual Star Citizen game itself. More information about the API will come in the future, but it's really good news for people who are actively involved with uh, sharing information about the, the coding within the game, the stats within the game, um, as well as people who are in large orgs and need to handle a vast amount of information. Like us. Yeah. So we don't get in trouble with Google again. <laughs> <laughs> they want to give us custom emojis. For now, it may be locked to org-specific forums, but eventually they may do something like voting for a universal custom emoji that everyone can, everyone can use, but it's still kind of TBD. The dev tracker will be integrated into Spectrum, but instead of just following devs, it's going to be a system where you can assign people or roles uh, within CIG or your orgs to follow those people specifically. So it'd be like the current dev tracker, but integrated into Spectrum and more customizable. The issue council will also be rolled into Spectrum with the coming feature that you'll be able to quickly and easily share issue council reports with one another. Uh, there was a new launcher update, but all it really contained were a few bug fixes, and backend features for Turbulence troubleshooting system, but we should see another launcher update in the future once the Delta Patcher comes online. The mobile app is being worked on, but they did say it's secondary as compared to getting VoIP functional within, within Spectrum. And then their next big project of that is getting the mobile app ready. Now, mobile app VoIP probably won't be coming anytime soon, but it is something they would like to do if they have enough time to include it. Or new organization features that we can look forward to are custom roles and multiple roles for users that they eventually will add, uh, a public section of each of your org forums so that people who are not yet part of your guild or organization can talk and discuss things that they want to check you guys out or maybe network for future business possibilities, stuff like that. And they want to update the recruitment functions to make them a bit more simplified and roll all of this into Spectrum. The Spectrum overlay will probably be the main way of using Spectrum while in the game. They did talk about maybe integrating a certain number of things into the MobiGlass UI, but it wasn't really the main function 
for Spectrum because most people have multiple monitors and not everything in Spectrum can easily be transferred into MobiGlass and still be viewable. Polls were something they definitely want to do. Um, they're still on the fence about whether or not it's going to be its own unique type of thread or an, a system that you can place into a thread similar to how you place in pictures and videos currently. So they do, definitely do want to do it, but they're still designing the exact way that it's going to go in. And then finally, they mentioned that Twitch will eventually be incorporated into the game and with Spectrum in unique and interesting ways. Now, Twitch is owned by Amazon. Amazon owns Lumberyard and now Stars is using Lumberyard. So it may natively have a lot of options um, that we, as of yet, don't know a whole lot about. It would be nice, like, say, for example, when, you know, Star Citizen is released and I am playing it and I stream it, it would be nice if, like, if you're streaming it, it automatically lowers the background volume on the stream when you talk. Like, that would be really cool. Yeah, that would be interesting. There'd be a lot of cool things they can do with it. And now that they have sort of the blessing from Amazon and are working with them directly on the engine, I think there's a lot of possibilities. Major backend player. Yeah, it, it's a big deal with Amazon. Amazon has like full focus on the back end because they're not making any games. They're just making structures for games. So basically yeah. they have all their resources. They don't want to they don't want to yeah, they don't want to put resources into a risk like a game. They want to put it into a risk like the back end for a game which someone else puts right. the resources in to make. Right, exactly. And actually one of the Lesser known things in Star Citizen is so right about the time 2.0 was coming out, the main network programmer for CIG quit CIG. And um, CIG started off in-house on their networking for games. Then they went to Amazon and they went to Google. Um, so they were at Google at this time. So their main network programmer quits. He actually went to go be a back-end network programmer at Amazon. And now we're back with Amazon. <laughs> so that's a really, that's just a really interesting little side note. I mean, there's a lot of CryEngine-based games that struggle to get 20 or 30 players. Like MechWarrior Living Legends has some XCIG devs on it, and they can barely get 22 players in it. But that networking guy, when he had left, they could get, and reasonably won't run, 120 AIs in one match in just a small test level, which is, you know, if you've ever tried it in CryEngine, it doesn't normally work out that well. So, But things are looking up. I mean, oh, definitely. Th mm -hmm. there actually is progress being made, which is really good. Yeah. For Squadron 42, Brian Chambers uh, noted this week that, quote, in the coming months, we're hoping to show you a few bits to really give you an idea on the quality bar we've set. So this is both a good thing and a bad thing, that they are planning on showing a Squadron 42 soon, but it won't be the full release of Squadron 42, meaning we shouldn't expect to see Squadron 42 before Gamescom or CitizenCon. For merchandise, we should be getting our buyback token April 3rd. The uh, concept ship timeline for this year, we have three new ships in the coming months. One's an alien ship, one's a pure military ship, and one's a large civilian ship. Uh, we can speculate what we think is going to happen is the first alien ship will be the Banu ship. The pure military ship is likely the Aegis Eclipse. And the large civilian ship is likely the Origin 600. Now that's pure speculation, but I think it's reasonable to suspect that. Yeah, I agree 100%. You, they've already been talking about the 600 a little bit and a couple of the military ships. And I mean, they they know they're under the gun with the banner. There's so yeah. many people that just want to see it. I mean, they don't care where the state it's in. They just, I just want to see it. I, I just want to <laughs> see something about it. Talk about it again. So yeah, that's that's pretty good. 
Uh, and then Ben mentioned that in the latter half of this year, they have three more concepts that will focus more on civilian professions like mining and scavenging. So we can look forward to those in the latter half. Uh, Jump Point, the hardback edition, volume three, is in the works, and subscribers will get the first chance to pre-order one. And then for ships, we know the Buccaneer has been added with Alpha 2.6.2, and its top turret won't spin 360 degrees when you change it from fixed size 4 to a gimbaled size 3 because of clipping issues in the back, though in the future they may design certain lengths of a barrel able to be able to spin. They said that it's still a bit up in the air. Uh, the 300 series should be getting a rework fairly soon, and the Aurora rework has actually finished the white box phase of its development. Now, the Cutlass rework is almost finalized. We had a Cutlass teaser this week that just said 4-6-17, and we assume it's April 6th, like the American date presentation. It could be the European style, and it's June 4th, but either way, it's not terribly far off. And we did see Cutlass, that the Cutlass had an early test flight in last week's ATV during the credits. The Dragonfly has officially been completed and has been announced that it will debut alongside Procedural Planets. We heard rumors of that, but it's good to hear it official. The F-7A Hornet, which is the military version of the Hornet, its cockpit got a sneak peek in this week's ATV. And we heard that the whole C has had a max crew size increase from three people now to four people. The Vanduul Blade has an unknown timeline, but we know that they will be working on it soon if they're not already, and that it should go fairly quickly because the exterior was done for Squadron 42, so they really just have to work on the components and interior. Whereas the Vanduul Stinger has been confirmed to be make, made by Esperi in the lore, although they have no current plans to actually sell it to us before the game's released. And if you haven't heard, the Xeon Scout has an updated audio for its engines, and they sound fantastic, very alien. If you haven't heard that, check out the link in the show notes, and thanks to Jack Frack on YouTube for supplying us with that video. I think the well, most exciting thing for me this week was uh, the physics programmer, John Pritchard, talking with him. Uh, there's a lot of errors in all the little flight models, and he's talked for a long time about eventually getting to where he wants players to be able to do things themselves with the actual control loop that controls the ships, but it's actually going to, we're going to start seeing that internally with CIG employees with how the ships fly, because right now there's only like one modifier, one main jerk modifier for every axis on the ship. And um, he just recently on their internal build split it for all an individual and for all six axes. So the two guys that are going around and tweaking ships right now, they'll be able to sort out a couple of little issues that plague a few ships, we're really hoping. So to me, that's very exciting. Like It sounds like something little, but the combination of those two in the long run are really going to make for something special, you know. But yeah, that's awesome news, Toys. I actually hadn't heard that. Yeah, we, we love talking to the physics programmer. That's, that's one of the fun things about CIG is, you know, be friends with people, be friendly, be outgoing, and just talk to people. And you can talk to so many amazing people in that company that, I mean, they're not going to tell you spoilers or anything they shouldn't tell you, but you can just literally have a conversation with the physics programmer or with the head of audio or with the head of whatever you're interested in and or one of the people directly working on it. And I mean, they know what they can and can't say, but it, you can really not only learn a lot, but you can have a lot of influence that way too. You know, like sure. I guess the best example now is you've got the best, a, a, a large group of the best first-person shooter players in the game right now that are working with, you know, slowly with Sean Noonan, you know, on the levels and things. And uh, 
like with the combat pilots and a few of the racers, they, you know, talk with some of the ship tweakers and, or the guys tweaking the numbers on the ships and the physics people and, you know, it just all comes together. So, yeah. Yeah. It just makes for something not entirely unique, but it's good to have that direct feedback cycle. Like never think your opinion doesn't matter. I, I promise, even if you're out there, they love to talk, like they love to hear and, you know, you never know what ideas they already got. So. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, now, for miscellaneous news from the community, we had an upship status page update picture from Mr. Panicky. It shows the current ships and their state within the game, whether flight ready or hangar ready or still in development. And then he posted a GIF which showed the readiness plan for ships rolling out between patch 3.0 through patch 4.0 for the future. So that was also really cool to look at. Uh, there are plenty of do-it-yourself track IR guides on YouTube, but we posted our favorites in the show notes, as well as how to use the Star Citizen Joystick Mapper for people who use that program to quickly map joystick keys to Star Citizen flight controls. Uh, Malagos has updated his ship and component data spreadsheet and website, StarCitizenDB.com, for Alpha 2.6.2. It is still the best resource to use to find all the component data, and I highly recommend taking a look at it if you haven't already. For fan projects, there's a fan-made Next Great Starship commercial starting this Tuesday. It will be uh, a competition for people to, for fans to make a commercial for their favorite starships so that we can show off more of Star Citizen's assets and uh, get more notoriety for contributions through the community. Beginning April 4th, they will publish the competition episodes weekly every Tuesday. And after the third episode, they'll create a poll in Spectrum to decide on the winner. So these have actually been in the work for in the works for over a year, and they're now uh, debuting these videos collectively. So that'll be interesting. Latowan has posted a few more blueprints: one for the saber, another for the buccaneer, and then for the rifles that are featured in Starmarine. Torellian has posted the launch trailer for Combined Arms Part 2. Solo Union has posted Quantum Paradox Episode 1, and Sonic Temples posted his video Gundo. Athogen1 posted his video a fan-made Misk Razor commercial, whereas the Hunter SC comic has released pages 39 and 40, and Requiza has posted the Citizens comic pages 11 and 12. And then finally, for other news, the Star Citizen subreddit has hit over 100,000 subscribers. And for a cruel April Fool's joke, the makers of Rebel Galaxy made a privateer remake video that made so much noise that I'm kind of hoping they actually go through with it now. But to get your privateer fix, the original soundtrack from privateer has been remastered to HD audio and posted on YouTube, the link of which is in the show notes. For something completely off topic, the Independent Festival of Creative Communication posted a trailer that was absolutely amazing. It's essentially a sci-fi trailer about traveling through space, basically warping, and it actually featured a few of developers from CIG. So definitely check that out. It, it left me wanting, for sure. It was very cool to watch the effects, and there were times where it looked, it looked so good, it was hard to realize that it was CG, like, completely. But then there were other times where it kind of got a little bit janky, where it's just like, okay, that's wasn't necessarily a great little animation uh, scene, but overall it was it was cool looking. I just wish I knew what the hell was going on, to be honest. Yeah, it definitely doesn't spoon feed you any information. It's sort of just like a a vertical slice of here's something that's going on. Enjoy, and that's it. And there's no information. 
Um, but I loved how alien the spacesuit looks, and I loved the warping animation. I thought that was super unique. Yeah, it's like a what did you call it? Like a, almost a face shift or something. Yeah, this is like just yeah, kind of like a like a parallax visual effect. And that'll do it for this week. A special thanks to our sponsors, Interstellar Diplomacy and the Black Suns. Visit them at robertspaceindustries.com slash org slash diplomacy and org slash BLK Suns. Thanks to everyone for listening, and we'll see you in the verse. Bye. Bye-bye. Like and subscribe. Love you. <laughs> Love you too. <laughs>